passage of scripture to guide us in our thinking and in our living taken from Acts chapter 2, the 42nd through the 47th verses. Listen to these words. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Has anyone ever told you, just be yourself? I've heard this on a number of occasions when I've especially been nervous about doing something, you know. And in a strange place in which I felt unfamiliar, I've had people that were close to me that have said, just be yourself. But usually my nerves had the better of me and I was thinking to myself, okay, so tell me who I am. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt like you didn't know exactly enough of who you were? While a little encouragement is a good thing, I wonder if by that statement that we may even be doing more harm than good. Listen with me just a little bit on this because I know that some of you have probably spoken those very words to friends or family members in order to set them at ease. Jesus' main agenda we need to remind ourselves, seems to always take the focus off of self and get us toward the love of God with all, say it with me, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, and our neighbor as we love ourselves, right? So the focus is on God and on neighbor, not on self. You know, you would think that centering in and really focusing on self would prepare you for anything, you know, out in the world. But what Jesus has been telling us with his very life, even with his death on the cross, he is saying really the opposite. He's saying focusing on God is what set things in order. Focusing on loving your neighbor instead of yourself. In fact, love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is what begins to set the world in order. Jesus spent this time with his disciples. And as he spent time with them, he was fostering this sense of community as he built them in their faith into the people that they were to become. There were points at which he looked at them and they just couldn't get it. But he stuck with them, even when they abandoned him. You remember how he was praying in the garden and he was sweating droplets of blood, knowing what was going to come in the next hours. And yet they couldn't what? They couldn't stay awake. 
and keep company with him. And when things got rough there and the authorities showed up, what did they do but scatter? Jesus was working with them to pull them together into community. He gathered them and taught them his kingdom dynamics. And they accepted as much of it as they could bear at the time. He said to them, the kingdom is among you. Some of your scripture passages, your Bibles will say, it is in the midst of you. The kingdom is in the midst of us. You get that, don't you? A lot of us get distracted and think of salvation as being this personal thing, even though it is personal and it is critical that we develop this relationship that is so sincere and so deep and direct with Christ, it is also this matter of community that impresses upon us as Christ's followers the strength in this connection. After Jesus' death and his resurrection, you know what was going on, don't you? The, the story, as it is told in, in Luke and in his second volume in Acts, as he shares it, it was this great fragmentation, uh, another diaspora, a spreading of the followers into their different places. You remember how it's told by one of the gospel writers that, that even at a certain point that Peter turned to his brothers and cousins and he said, let's go back to fishing. So the four of them took off, got back on the boat. They were, they were biding their time. But they weren't gathered in. They weren't gathered in and focusing on this time of waiting. Jesus had to return to them, remind them, wait here for me. And I will send one to you that will transform all of the nature of your lives The Holy Spirit was poured out on them. What I've read for you this morning is the end of chapter 2. If you want to get the beginning of that story, read it the first of chapter 2. And what happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the tongues of fire that were on their heads. And as they spilled into the streets, speaking the language of the people that were there, even though they hadn't been trained in that language And yet these people from so many nationalities heard them speaking in their very own language. The Holy Spirit was poured out on them. In this passage, though, this is what I want us to think about. You know, we're in this sermon series entitled, The Church We Want to Be. Listen to this again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and prayers. That's easy for us to remember. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and prayers. I would ask you, what part of that are we leaving out? Today we've gathered in the fellowship, haven't we? We will gather at the table to receive communion. I want to say to you that there are a couple of other things that are listed there. The apostles' teaching and the prayers. Do you find yourself praying about your following of Christ? Are you really intentional about that? Intentional to the point that you want to get together with other Christians in order to be on track. It was this encouragement by the Holy Spirit that led them to begin to understand that they were so frail and so fragmented when they were on their own. But when they were together, that was another thing entirely. He says here, as the story is shared, all came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And then down in the next verse, day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple. This was no sideline matter for early Christians. They realized that they gained a sense of who they were because the Holy Spirit became manifest to them, became real to them when they were getting together. It was this embracing of community that actually formed the early church this intentionality to be the church the inspiration of the spirit to bless the gathering that sent them out to be fruitful and day by day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved now some Bibles have the words of Jesus printed in red. You may have a Bible like that. I don't know. Did you know it's not always been like that? That Bibles haven't always had the words of Jesus printed in red. In fact, it was not until 1899. Now, that sounds like a long time ago, but that is only just a little over 100 years ago that this fellow, Louis Klopsch, who was the editor of the Christian Herald magazine, read the passage from Luke, this cup in the New Testament, in my blood. This cup is the New Testament, in my blood. And it came to him, wouldn't it be interesting if we printed the words of Jesus in red? And so he got in contact with a preacher, mentor, friend of his, and his friend said to him, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. In fact, God may use it for very good purposes. And God has, I think, used it for good purposes. Not that every Bible needs to have the words of Jesus in red. But let me tell you, it sure highlights things when you read the Sermon on the Mount. 
in red ink and really see what Jesus was saying. We need to be more red-letter Christian today. One of the passages I've been reading this week is in red, and it is in the gospel according to John. And I want to read you just a short part of that. John chapter 14, verse 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. He is expressing to his disciples, he is expressing to his disciples that he will be wherever they will be. Now, for those of you who are Southern, you need to remember that this is not an individual pronoun, but this is y'all. I am coming to y'all, okay? It is us. It is a plural designation here, a collective pronoun. Jesus is intending for us to be together. It's crucial for us to hear it. And it's crucial for us to be intentional about being together in order that we can learn from each other who Jesus is and what he is about. I have a dear cousin who is in ministry at a house of prayer not far from here. And one day I was with her at a family gathering of ours, and I was in strange sorts. I can't even remember exactly what was going on with me, but I had an attitude and wasn't aware of it. And I exited the family gathering to leave and to go about other important matters in my mind. They were important. And unbeknownst to me, she followed me out to the car. And at the curb, before I got into the car, she hollered at me. And she said, what's wrong with you? I said, nothing's wrong with me. And I drove off, and God convicted me and brought me around to the idea that he was using her for me to be aware of some real disease in my heart. We need the community around us, one precious soul in this congregation who is a member of a life group found by way of sadness a distancing of herself from congregational worship. Another member of her life group came to me and said, we've got to do something. And I basically said, we'll do it. And the life group has reached out and wrapped their arms around her. And as they should, have drawn her back in to the fellowship of God in this place. Because she wanted it, but she didn't know how to get there on her own. 
I had a preacher friend in the ministry who told me a few years back, he confessed to me, he said, I'm an alcoholic. He said, and I have really struggled with it through the years. He said to me, he said, if you ever see me coming out of a liquor store, you have permission to take the package and shatter it in the parking lot. We need each other. Left to ourselves, we will get involved in all sorts of devices that pull us away from God. Here at Pittman Park, there are all kinds of opportunities. You know some of these. There are Sunday school classes every Sunday morning. There are, there are life groups that are forming even by the week. We have one that has just recently formed, and immediately it had 12, 13 people in it. There are places for you to be connected with others in the doing of Bible study. There are places for you to find support in groups that meet here every week, some of them multiple times during the week. There are retreats and camps that are going on all the time. Our children are being nurtured in something that is called Bible black belts. Did you know that? They're learning how to fight for Jesus. Our youth are being guided through confirmation class and through their meetings to know what it means to give your heart to Jesus but also to be a part of the community that will help keep you on track. This is not something that we've invented. Jesus set it in motion. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, truly felt that we should be focused on Small groups, not large groups, but small groups in connection with each other. And if you're not in a small group, I want to encourage you. Be more intentional. If you need help in finding a small group to connect with, let us know. We'll help you to find the right place. We need each other. To grow in God's grace. Sue and I have a piece of exercise equipment. We've had it for several years now. It looks as good as the day we bought it. You know what I mean, don't you? I, I was talking with Jonathan the other day and he told me, he said, he said, have you ever been to a spin class? I said, no, I don't even really know what a spin class is. And then he described it to me. He said, it's so different than trying to exercise on your own. But when everybody else is out there doing the very same thing, he said, you get this sense of camaraderie with other people being committed toward the same purpose. Some of you know what that's like, right? If you've been on any kind of team, you know that sense that you're sharing this goal with each other. In the church, we learn together. We need to be focused together. This is not something that we do by ourselves. I used to have a friend. He was new to the faith and had this desire to pray aloud when we would gather, especially on Sunday evenings, for worship. And I can still remember James Cook 
in his simple way praying, let's bless. And I thought to myself, who's he talking about? He's not talking about he and his wife. He's, he's talking about, for one, he's talking about maybe the community. But he's talking about the Holy Spirit that is in the midst of all of this. Let's bless so-and-so who has been dealing with sickness or sadness or trauma or relationship issues. Let's bless. And throughout his prayer, let's bless. Let's bless. This community that God wishes us to be connected with. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit has this incredible power to teach us about Jesus. In this same chapter with the red letters, John 14, Jesus says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you, that's y'all, remember, remind y'all of all that I have said to y'all. It is a community matter. Do any of you remember the musical Godspell? It came out, I think it was when I was in high school or beginning college, and it had this one song that was just so beautiful. If you haven't ever heard this, this Christian rock musical, you ought to go back and find it on iTunes and download it. Richard of Chichester is the one that's being quoted in this song. He was a bishop in the 13th century. And the words that are used in the song are so powerful. Day by day. Do any of you remember? Day by day, day by day, oh dear Lord, three things. Does anybody else remember this song? No? I'm out here all by myself. Is there anybody else that can help me? Day by day, day by day, oh dear Lord, three things I pray, three things I pray. Y'all are whispering it with me, aren't you? <laughs> to see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly. Day by day, Tony, how did I do? Am I okay with that? Yeah, I'm not ready for the stage. <laughs> the, the power of this, though, is, is loving Jesus, seeing Jesus, living with Jesus in community. That's where we receive this outpouring of the Spirit. Can you be intentional about that? It is crucial that we make faith development this thing that we are intentional about because God will use it for his good. God will use it for his good. Now, just a little bit earlier in the service, I tried to invite Quentin down here, and uh, he wasn't in the room. Kim was saying, he's gone, he's gone. And uh, yet, I want to get Quentin and Kim to come and meet me here. One of the great celebrations of the church is when we have someone to come and to connect in this place, in the church membership covenant. And uh, Quentin was 
was being faithful to his work. He had received a call from the prison where he works, and he was being attentive to that. That's where he was. Come on in. Good to see you, Keith. Keith is here as well, and Kevin and Kyle, and we are so glad to... Is Pamela here this morning with you? Yeah, okay, good. All right, okay. We are, we are joining together in this place to be a part of the body of Christ. And in doing this, our arms are always welcoming others. As these families come today, and Kevin is actually in our confirmation class. We're meeting together every Sunday night. But there is a question that I will share with, with this group and you all can answer me at the same time. Will you be loyal to Christ in this congregation and uphold it with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? I will. Good. I know that you will. We, we shared together in some of what that means. We talked about it at length in the starting point class. And we are so glad that you all are a part of this congregation in full. God's blessings on you. And let me, let me say just a word. Let me say just a word to all of you. I know that you will want to welcome these families um, at the end of the service. And I'm going to ask them to, to wait around out in the, in the lobby at the end of the service. If y'all can make your way back there because I know that... This congregation will want to give you some hugs and welcome you in. Right here. Kevin is learning some things. And I, 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 um, he asked me, if you didn't hear him, he said, what is a congregation? And so I, I need to get rid of some of those churchy words, don't I? Or at least define them. These are good questions. But blessings on you. And I'll let you return to your seats as we share together. In this holy meal, Jesus has invited us to his table of grace.